Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, there's also an option to subscribe to have both the daily text reading and the lesson for the day sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. And I feel like it's a good time to um, include the fact that the um, Thanksgiving sale is beginning uh, today or tomorrow at the Course in Miracles Society. And you'll find the link to the store on the website at jcim.net. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from 9.15 to 10.45 or 10.50 a.m. Eastern. And today we're continuing our reading of Chapter 30, The New Beginning, with Section 5, The Truth Behind Illusions. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 319. I came for the salvation of the world. And by way of opening this morning, I was gifted with just the most perfect little poem uh, from David White. His name is spelled W-H-Y-T-E. And the poem is called, What to Remember When Waking. And it goes like this. In that first hardly noticed moment in which you wake, coming back to this life from the other more secret, movable, and frighteningly honest world where everything began, there is a small opening into the new day which closes the moment you begin your plans. What you plan is too small for you to live. What you can live wholeheartedly will make plans enough for the vitally hidden in your sleep. To be human is to become visible while carrying what is hidden as a gift to others. To remember the other world in this world is to live in your true inheritance. You are not a troubled guest on this earth. You are not an accident amidst other accidents. You were invited from another and greater than the one from which you have just emerged. Now, looking through the slanting light of the morning window toward the mountain presence of everything that can be, what urgency calls you to your your one love? What shape waits in the seed of you to grow and spread its branches against a future sky? Um, I came for the salvation of the world. Amen. Oh, thank you. Thanks for that. That was good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes, Lori. That was great. I've heard of David White before. Yeah, thank that's you. good. Oh, good. I'm glad you guys liked it. I really felt like that was a gift today to me. Oh, so thank you. And here's our reading list this morning. We have Lemoyne, Fran, Yvonne, Judy, Jessica, and Micah, and we're joined in listening this morning by Rose, Robin Marie, 
Ida, and Roz. Has anyone else joined us that would like to say morning or be on the reading list? Good morning, Ms. Harrison. I can read. Oh, good morning, Harrison. Thank you. Okay. So, it has started. We're taking up with Chapter 30, The New Beginning, with Section 5, The Truth Behind Illusions, in Paragraph 49. You will attack what does not satisfy, and thus you will not see you made it up. You always fight illusions, for the truth behind them is so lovely and so still in loving gentleness. Were you aware of it, you would forget defensiveness entirely and rush to its embrace. The truth could never be attacked, and this you knew when you, when you made idols. They were made that this might be forgotten. You attack but false ideas and never truthful ones. All idols are the false ideas you made to fill the gap you think arose between yourself and what is true. And you attack them for the things you think they represent. What lies beyond them cannot be attacked. Uh, Lemoyne. Uh, we're not hearing you, Lemoyne. Okay, I think he's having microphone trouble. So we'll come back. If, friend, you'd like to lead us off. Section 5, The Truth Behind Illusions, Paragraph 49. You will attack what does not satisfy. Unless you will not see, you made it up. You always fight illusions. For the truth behind them is so lovely and so still in loving gentleness. Were you aware of it, you would forget defensiveness entirely and rush to its embrace. The truth could never be attacked. And this you knew when you made idols. They were made that this might be forgotten. You attack the false ideas and never truthful ones. All idols are the false ideas you made to fill the gap you think arose between yourself and what is true. And you attack them for the things you think they represent. What lies beyond them cannot be attacked. 50. The worrying, dissatisfying gods you made are blown-up children's toys. A child is frightened when a wooden head springs up as a closed box is opened suddenly or when a soft and silent woolly bear begins to squeak as he takes hold of it. The rules he made for boxes and for bears have failed him and could have broken his quote-unquote control of what surrounds him. And he is afraid because he thought the rules protected him. Now must he learn the boxes and the bears do not deceive him, broke no rules, nor mean his world is made chaotic and unsafe. He was mistaken. He misunderstood what made him safe and thought that it had left. Thank you, Fran. 
And Yvonne. Okay, Lauren, thank you, Christy. The wearying, dissatisfying gods you made are blown-up children's toys. A child is frightened when a wooden head springs up as a closed box is opened suddenly or when a soft and silent woolly bear begins to speak as he takes hold of it. The rules he made for boxes and for bears have failed him and have broken, quote, his control of what surrounds him. He is afraid because he thought the rules protected him. Now must he learn the boxes and the bears did not deceive him, broke no rules, nor mean his world is made chaotic and unsafe. He was mistaken. He misunderstood what made him safe and thought it had left. The gap that is not there is filled with toys in countless forms, and each one seems to break the rules you set for it. It never was the thing you thought. It must appear to break your rules for safety since the rules were wrong. But you are not endangered. You can laugh at popping heads and squeaking toys, as does the child who learns they are no threat to him. Yet while he likes to play with them, he still perceives them as obeying rules he made for his enjoyment. So there still are rules which they can seem to break and frighten him. Yet, is he at the mercy of his toys? And can they represent a threat to him? Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne. And Judy. Here I am. The gap that is not there is filled with toys in countless forms and each one seems to break the rules you set for it. It never was the thing you thought. It must appear to break your rules for safety, since the rules were wrong. But you are not endangered. You can laugh at popping heads and squeaking toys, as does the child who learns they are no threat to him. Yet while he likes to play with them, he still perceives them as obeying rules he made for his enjoyment. So there still are rules that they can seem to break and frighten him. Yet, is he at the mercy of his toys? And can they represent a threat to him? Reality observes the laws of God and not the rules you set. It is his laws that guarantee your safety. All illusions that you believe about yourself obey no laws. They seem to dance a little while according to the rules you set for them. But then they fall and cannot rise again. They are but toys, my child. So do not grieve for them. Their dancing never brought you joy, but neither were they things to frighten you nor make you safe if they obeyed your rules. They must be neither. 
They must be neither cherished nor attacked, but merely looked upon as children's toys without a single meaning of their own. See one, see one meaning, see one in them, and you will see them all. See none in them, and they will touch you not. I guess that's the end there. Thank you. <laughs> that, that is the end. Thank you, Judy. And Jessica. <clears throat> 52. Reality observes the laws of God and not the rules you set. It is his laws which guarantee your safety. All illusions that you believe about yourself obey no laws. They seem to dance a little wild, according to the rules you set for them, but then they fall and cannot rise again. They are but toys, my children. Do not grieve for them. Their dancing never brought you joy, but neither were they things to frighten you nor make you safe if they obeyed your rules. They must be neither cherished nor attacked but merely looked upon as children's toys without a single meaning of their own. See one in them, and you will see them all. See none in them, and they will touch you not. Appearances deceive because they are appearances and not reality. Dwell not on them in any form, but they obscure, I'm sorry, Dwell not on them in any form. They but obscure reality, and they bring fear because they hide the truth. Do not attack what you have made to let you be deceived, for thus you prove that you have been deceived. Attack has power to make illusions real, yet what it makes is nothing. Who could be made fearful by a power that can have no real effect at all? What could it be but an illusion making things appear like to itself? Look calmly at its toys and understand that they are idols which but dance to vain desires. Give them not your worship, for they are not there. Yet this is equally forgotten in attack. God's son needs no defense against his dreams. His idols do not threaten him at all. His one mistake is that he thinks them real. What can the power of illusion do? Thank you, Jessica. And Micah. Okay, 53. Appearances deceive because they are appearances and not reality. Dwell not on them in any form. They but obscure reality and they bring fear because they hide the truth. Do not attack what you have made to let you be deceived. For thus you prove that you have been deceived. 
Attack has power to make illusions real. Yet, yet what it makes is nothing. Who could be made fearful by a power that can have no real effects at all? What could it be but an illusion, making things appear like to itself? Look calmly at its toys and understand that they are idols which but dance to vain desires. Give them not your worship, for they are not there. Yet this is equally forgotten in attack. God's son needs no defense against his dreams. His idols do not threaten him at all. His one mistake is that he thinks them real. What can the power of illusions do? 54. Appearances can but deceive the mind that wants to be deceived. And you can make a simple choice that will forever place you far beyond deception. You need not concern yourself with how this will be done. For this you cannot understand. But you will understand that mighty changes have been quickly brought about when you decide one very simple thing. You do not want whatever you believe an idol gives. For thus the Son of God declares that he is free of idols. And thus is he free. Thank you, Micah. And Harrison. Appearances can but deceive the mind that wants to be deceived. And you can make a simple choice that will forever place you far beyond deception. You need not concern yourself with how this will be done, for this you cannot understand. But you will understand that mighty changes have been quickly brought about when you decide one very simple thing. You do not want whatever you believe an idol gives. For thus the Son of God declares that he is free of idols, and thus is he free. 55. Salvation is a paradox indeed. What could it be except a happy dream? It asks you but that you forgive all things that no one ever did to overlook what is not there and not to look upon the unreal as reality. You have been asked to let your will be done and seek no longer for the things you do not want. 
and you ask to let yourself be free of all the dreams of what you of what you never were, and seek no more to substitute the strength of idle wishes for the will of God. Thank you, Harrison. And Lemoyne, if your microphone's working now, uh, would you do 55 and 56? Uh, are you muted? Okay, do we have a new reader for 55 and 56? Ida. Thanks, Ida. <laughs> You're welcome. Salvation is a paradox indeed. What could it be except a happy dream? It asks you but that you forgive all things that no one ever did, to overlook what is not there, and not to look upon the unreal as reality. You are but asked to let your will be done, and seek no longer for the things you do not want. And you are asked to let yourself be free of all the dreams of what you never were, and seek no more to substitute the strength of idle wishes for the Son of God, for the will of God. 56. Here does the dream of separation start to fade and disappear. For here the gap that is not there begins to be perceived without the toys of terror that you made. No more than this is asked. Be glad indeed salvation asks so little, not so much. It asks for nothing in reality. And even in illusions it but asks forgiveness be the substitute for fear. Such is the only rule for happy dreams. The gap is emptied out of the toys of fear. And then its unreality is plain. Dreams are for nothing. And the Son of God can have no need for them. They offer him no single thing that he could ever want. He is delivered from illusions by his will and but restored to what he is. What could God's plan for his salvation be except a means to give him to, capital H, himself? Thank you. Thank you, Ida. And is there another new reader that would like to finish with uh, 56? Good morning, it's Karen. I can do it. Hi. Hi. Thanks, Karen. Here does the dream of separation start to fade and disappear. For here, the gap that is not there begins to be perceived without the toys of terror that you made. No more than this is asked. Be glad indeed salvation asks so little, not so much. It asks for nothing in reality, and even in illusions, it but asks forgiveness, be substitute for fear. 
Such is the only rule for happy dreams. The gap is emptied of the toys of fear, and then its unreality is plain. Dreams are for nothing, and the Son of God can have no need of them. They offer him no single thing that he could ever want. He is delivered from illusion by his will and but restored to what he is. What could God's plan for his salvation be except a means to give him to himself? Thank you, Karen. And Robin Marie, I think I heard you'd like to read that also. Yes, that's okay. I'll listen to you review. Thanks. Okay. Oh, thank you, dear. And thank you, everyone who read this morning. Powerful declaration of freedom this morning. Uh, so to summarize a bit, from that first paragraph, we're reading Section 5, The Truth Behind Illusions. You always fight illusions, for the truth behind them is so lovely and so still in loving gentleness. Were you aware of it, you would forget defensiveness entirely and rush to its embrace. All idols are the false ideas you made to fill the gap you think arose between yourself and what is true. In paragraph 50, the wearying, dissatisfying gods you made are blown-up children's toys. Now, must you learn that you were mistaken? You misunderstood what made you safe and thought that it had left. In 51, the gap that is not there is filled with toys in countless forms, and each one seems to break the rules you set for it. It never was the thing you thought. It must appear to break your rules for safety since the rules were wrong. In 52, reality observes the laws of God and not the rules you set. It is his laws which guarantee your safety. All illusions that you believe about yourself obey no laws. They must be neither cherished nor attacked but merely looked upon as children's choice without a single meaning of their own. See one in them, and you will see them all. See none in them, and they will touch you not. In 53, appearances deceive because they are appearances and not reality. Dwell not on them in any form. They but obscure reality, and they bring fear because they hide the truth. 54 appearances can deceive, can but deceive the mind that wants to be deceived. And you can make a simple choice that will forever place you far beyond deception. Decide one very simple thing. You do not want whatever you believe an idol gives. For thus the Son of God declares that he is free of idols, and thus is he free. Lovely. Paragraph 55, salvation is a paradox indeed. What could it be except a happy dream? 
it asks you but that you forgive all things that no one ever did to overlook what is not there and not to look upon the unreal as reality you are but asked to let your will be done and seek no longer for the things you do not want and you are asked to let yourself be free of all the dreams of what never were what you never were and seek no more to substitute the strength of idle wishes for the will of God finally in 56 here does the dream of separation start to fade and disappear be glad indeed salvation asks so little not so much it asks for nothing in reality and even in illusions it but asks forgiveness be the substitute for fear such is the only rule for happy dreams the gap is emptied of the toys of fear and then its unreality is plain the Son of God is delivered from illusions by his will and but restored to what he is what could God's plan for his salvation be except a means to give him to himself <laughs> amen and we have some time before the top of the hour the floor is open mm. thank you Lori Uh, this is Micah. I um, uh, I appreciate this, this section was powerful because it brought up right away. You know, I was I was body identified. You know, just having woken up not too long ago, and and it it created this pressure of you know if I when I'm body identified in the dream, I it, it sounds like something's being sacrificed that, that I'm I'm uh, that this world is being negated and uh, that something's being taken away you know <laughs> and um and so there was a little struggle there at the same time something else was feeling its freedom as it sees a dream out of all these situations that i feel are real and so there was a little bit of an inner like uh tottering inside you know between these two worlds and two perspectives and um, it, it reminded me of yesterday, Roz showed me a picture of a little toddler, just the sweetest little thing. And it had this amazing light in its eyes, you know, and, 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 and its smile as it tottered around, you know. And, and it was so loving and beautiful, the whole, and then the mother's voice. And it was, um, and, and Roz and I had been kind of looking at illusions, you know, and so it was kind of, curious to to see that and and see the beauty and and the love that that's in it you know and we talked about god being in in the things of space time and um the uh and, and jesus is is waking us up it's so important that we really make the shift into the mind and the dream's not going to go anywhere. And, and Jesus says, you know, uh, dream with the Holy Spirit and dream with the Christ, he says in another place. But it's so important to, to wake up into ourself, into the mind, and see that these are like mirages of very creative, very 
God is in the coat hanger. God is in the wastebasket. And um, uh, let's see, I, I came across a couple quotes that that talk about this. It says, nothing around you but is part of you. Look on it lovingly and see the light of heaven in it. So will you come to understand all that is given you. In kind forgiveness will the world sparkle and shine, and everything you once thought sinful now will be reinterpreted as part of heaven. How beautiful it is to walk clean and redeemed and happy through a world in bitter need of the redemption that your innocence bestows upon it. What can you value more than this? For here is your salvation and your freedom. And it must be complete if you would recognize it. And then another one. There is no place for hell within a world whose loveliness can yet be so intense and so inclusive. It is but a step from there to heaven. And I, I, when I saw a direct connection uh, to the end here, I want to highlight again, because this is important in waking up, where he says, um, let me get to the right spot, where he says, um, dreams are for nothing, and the Son of God can have no need of them. They offer him no single thing that he could ever want. He is delivered from illusions by his will, and but restored to what he is. What could God's plan for his salvation be except the means to give him to himself? He's really trying to wake us up. And he knows the rest will take care of itself. The dream's not going to go anywhere. And then it becomes like what he was talking about at the beginning. For the truth behind them is so lovely and so still in loving gentleness. Were you aware of it, you would forget defensiveness entirely and rush to its embrace. It's a a powerful section, and to see the ego's resistance to seeing illusions as illusions and how beautiful they are and how full of purpose that yet they can still be, you know, that that they're filled with love and God. Um, It's... um, and let me see if I... I think I kind of said everything I wanted to say. <laughs> That's it. Thanks. Thank you, Micah. Thank you, Micah. That was just Thank you, Micah. That, so was, full and that was really wonderful. Well done, Micah. Thank you. Thanks, this Micah. Is this is... Oh. Go ahead, Ross. Hello. <clears throat> well... I had a really weird situation yesterday where I was in the grocery store like two days ago, I don't know how many days ago, and I was wearing a mask and I was talking to a friend of mine in in the store and this other person comes along and she says hello and she's in our love group and she's somebody I've known a long time but not well, you know. And uh, <clears throat> she's very anti-vax and anti-mask and all this stuff. So <clears throat> she thought I was exactly like her. <laughs> and she sent me this 
amazing attacking email out of nowhere. And she said, I can't believe I saw you with a mask. And what are you doing? You know, it's like, I thought you were like me, basically. That's what she was saying. And I thought, you know, you believe in homeopathy and you, you, I thought you didn't believe in the germ theory and what kind of thing are you trying to prove to the world? And it was just crazy. <clears throat> and she says, I thought you were a kindred spirit. Now I'm scratching my head. And what are you doing? You know, are you trying to prove this or are you just going along to get along? It was like, what? You know, and it came out of nowhere, you know. And while she saw me, I was talking to a friend whose husband has uh, cancer, he's getting chemo, and she's wearing a mask. And I was, of course, wearing a mask with her. And, you know, sometimes I go into grocery stores and I wear a mask, sometimes I don't, depending on how I feel at the moment. But, you know, anyway, it took me a long time to respond to this person's email. And when I did, I just kind of said, I'm really surprised we're in this love group and you seem so wise and loving and then this felt so angry, you know. And we're learning about uh, unity and love and everything and it didn't feel loving. And I'm, you know, I'm amazed and I'm scratching my head too. And so she wrote back and just fired back at me. And I can't remember exactly what she said, but it was very accusing. Like, oh, and I said, I have my personal reasons why I wear, didn't wear, where I wear a mask. He says, well, you're shielding yourself with those personal reasons and keeping us from having a dialogue about this. Anyway, <laughs> it was very disturbing, and I, I could really see that my own ego was ready to be defensive and talk to other people about it and you know but there was only one person besides Micah that I talked to about it and that person was like yeah give it back to her you know and don't let her get away with this you should teach her but in a loving way you know anyway you know I fired up that email last night and then she fired up immediately it was like you know I spent days thinking it over I said to her in the beginning of the email took me a while to respond to you because I was trying to see this, you know, clearly, but through different lenses, and I was not sure about how I should approach it, you know. Anyway, she was still angry. And then Mike and I talked about it, and uh, this particular chapter is very powerful now. You know, I mean, I understand the stuff in my head, but when it comes down to a real experience, it really takes something to um, see through this illusion, that this is her illusion. And her illusion is, she's looking at me as a certain toy, you know, (laughs) that she has ideas about who I am and what I am and... Um, and my part in it is taking it in, you know, and taking it seriously and feeling bad about it, you know, <clears throat> and wanting to be on the defense. So anyway, Micah um, 
read me a passage from The Course in Miracles called The Greater Joining, which he's read it to me before, but to, last night we were reading it. And it, it was really powerful to look at the other person with forgiveness and understanding that they're, the gap between myself and that person is illusory and to just see her and embrace her <clears throat> with complete understanding and forgiveness and that's what I'm going to be working on. I'm going to see you on Thursday in our love group, you know, in person. I was nervous about it because I'm thinking, how am I going to be around her? How is it going to be? But I'm starting to see I can do this in a really loving and powerful way, you know. It's my work to be able to let go of her illusion (laughs) and my illusion of taking it seriously, you know. And so, you know, these are toys of how we're seeing things. And the real thing is just to see that we're all one. It's really hard when you're in the midst of something like this, but that's my work. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Oh, that was just an excellent example, Roz. Thank you so much. Thank you, Roz. Thank you, Roz. Thank you, Roz. It's like, thank you, Roz. Thank you, Roz. Great lesson. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Roz. I've had situations like that before. And it's, it's, you know, it's like... I didn't that hear you. I, I said, um, thank you, Rosla. Um, I've had situations with people like that before. Men, I've been an email, maybe in another form, but it's the same idea where we're fighting, essentially. And um, <laughs> something that my parents told me, used to tell me that I resented, stood me in, in good stead because I was the oldest. And so they said, you're the oldest, you have to forgive. Well, I don't have to forgive because I'm the oldest or the youngest or the middle or the whatever in this world. But it's I understand how it can be quite a challenge and um, and thank God you're, you know, applying the, this material to that situation and um, I'm proud of you. Thanks, I'm complete. Thanks, Ida. Thank, thank, thank you, Ida. Very, very Ida. sweet. This is Wendy. Um, yeah. I just wanted to connect with something that Micah had shared uh, that I got this morning from Spirit. It is with God's blessings we greet you and we say, Arrive. When you feel you have arrived at a plateau or a level of accomplishment, the self feels it can take a break. Rest a while. Yet we are urging you to rest always. Live as though everything has been taken care of because it has. When your mind does not get overly involved in specifics in a way that demonstrates one knows God will handle all resolution, you begin to live a very different kind of life. And in quotes, things just take care of themselves, unquote, would be a good mantra 
It is for you to understand that there is a compromise one involves the self in when you feel you must do it yourself. It is a compromise of you and your higher self. One part is saying, let me do it. And the other part is saying, no, let me do it. (laughs) And the manifestation is muddied by the unwillingness to trust. I need do nothing is really an acknowledgement of life being a dream. What need I do in a dream except watch it and remember that I am dreaming? When I am aware of God's holy presence as I am dreaming, it is like standing on the shores of heaven and allowing the dream of, quote, action, unquote, drift away. What need you do in a dream? Wake up to what is real and then let the dream wind out. All is well, I'm complete. Oh, was that phenomenal and timely? Thank you, Wendy. Yes. Thank you. So oh, great. Thank you, Wendy. Wendy. Thanks again. Thank you, indeed. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. I just wow. love the idea of the mantra things just take care of themselves. <laughs> I'm complete again. Yes, they do. Thanks, Wendy. I was just going to um, take us from there to um, our top of the hour. And Robin Marie, I know you have something you'd like to share right here, so why don't you lead just, us into the top of the I hour? I just was going to say, okay, I just was going to say, yeah, fly with the material. I liked, I can't remember now who said it, but I really like that. Of course, I, I am named after a bird, so thanks. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Fly with it. So, Fran, we'll turn to you again with our gratitude if you want to lead us this morning in the last judgment and salvation. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook, and we are on the theme, What is the Last Judgment? And today's lesson is Lesson 319. I came for the salvation of the world. And I shall read some from What is the Last Judgment? Christ's second coming gives the Son of God the gift to hear the voice for God, proclaim that what is false is false, and what is true has never changed. And this the judgment is in which perception ends. You who believe that God's last judgment would condemn the world to hell along with you, accept this holy truth. God's judgment is the gift of the correction he bestowed on all your errors, freeing you from them and all effects they ever seem to have. To fear God's saving grace is but to fear complete release from suffering, return to peace, security and happiness, and union with your own identity. This is God's final judgment. Quote, You are still my holy son, forever innocent, forever loving and forever loved, as limitless as your creator and completely changeless, and forever pure. Therefore, awaken and return to me. I am your father, and you are my son. Unquote. Now we'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 319. I came for the salvation of the world. 
Here is the thought from which all arrogance has been removed and only truth is left. For arrogance opposes truth. But where there is no arrogance, the truth will come immediately and fill up the space the ego left unoccupied by lies. Only the ego can be limited, and therefore it must seek for aims which are curtailed and limiting. The ego thinks that what one gains, totality, what one gains, totality must lose. And yet it is the will of God, I learn, that what one gains is given unto all. Father, your will is total, and the goal that stems from its shares is totality. What aim but the salvation of the world could you have given me? And what but this could be the will myself has shared with you? Take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 319, I came for the salvation of the world. Father, your will is total, and the goal that stems from it shares its totality. What aim but the salvation of the world could you have given me? And what but this could be the will myself has shared with you? Lesson 319, I came for the salvation of the world. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. Thanks, guys. Thank you, friend. Hi, this is Chris. Lovingly listening. Good morning, Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, Hi, Chris. Good morning, Stan. Um, I had some thoughts about the reading. Um, starting with the lesson, this morning um, on the other call, Chris said, <laughs> the world is in our minds. Thank you, Chris. That's still resonating inside me, resounding inside me. Because um, I was meditating on, uh, I came for the salvation of the world. And if the world is in my mind, then saving it is in my mind. And in the context of um, our reading today, earlier I had a meditation, earlier before the call, and 
what I was meditating on was the kingdom, the kingdom in the now. The kingdom is like this purified, clear place of love and purity and light and truth. But I keep vacillating back into this other consciousness, this consciousness that processes my world. It processes my world with the ego mind that has the past and it has all these stories and experiences and everything goes through that filter and comes out and it's all distorted. And um, that's my ego mind, that distorted filter that keeps processing things out. It says in the reading today that reality observes the laws of God, not the rules you set. So the reality is this clear, open realm of the kingdom where my safety is guaranteed. But all illusions that you believe about yourself obey no laws. Those laws that my ego sets, are there are no laws in that. The ego just makes up a lot of nonsense and falsehood, and everything gets processed through that. Um, things to frighten you, not to make you feel safe. They must neither be cherished nor attacked because they have a, no single meaning. They have no meaning of their own. Um, the ego sets it all up. Appearances deceive because they are appearances and not reality. It's all a projection of this falsehood from the filter of my ego mind. And, of course, if I attack, then, I, then it makes my illusions real. Yet what it makes is nothing. Who could be made fearful by a power that can have no real effect? An illusion making things appear. That's my ego mind. So I was meditating again about a forgiveness. What is forgiveness? I keep, I keep getting stuck like, oh, forgiveness means it didn't really happen. So I shouldn't be upset. That's very tricky to me. But when I disidentify with the whole story, the whole falsehood of this ego filter, when I stand in the clear space of the kingdom, the purified mind where it's just the oneness with the truth, there is no ego story to forgive. It says here, forgive all things that no one ever did to overlook what is not there and not to look upon the unreal as reality. Um, in my notes from a, from a previous time that I read this, I wrote, forgiveness is the only purpose of the world, to give up and let go of all the ego illusions and distortions. It's like clearing away all of the, all of the things that, um, that identify me with this false reality of who I am. When that's all cleared away, that's what forgiveness means to me. When that's all cleared away, then I stand in the truth and the oneness with, with the divine and with, joined with my brothers, with no more ego toys, no gap, no separation. And then just, I'm going to finish, but it says, um, just 
going into the next section, which I which I read ahead because I was kind of confused about where I was. The real world is a state of mind in which the only purpose of the world is seen to be forgiveness. So it's absolutely perfect. I hope that made sense. Thank you. I'm grateful that I got to share it because it's very exciting to me to kind of understand it more deeply. Thank you. It made total sense, Karen, and it's just beautiful. I love how you finished that it would identify me with the real world or with the thought system of truth. That was just phenomenal. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Karen. That was great, Karen. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It made total sense to me, too, Karen. I deeply appreciate your share, Karen. Thank you for your deep thinking, Karen. Thank you, everyone, for this community. Seems forgiveness is the answer to everything, huh? (laughs) Uh, Most useful tool in toolbox. Yeah, Karen, I was resonating with that you what you said about the difficulty of working with the idea it never happened. And it's, it is, um, and it reminded me, too, of the passage. I, I don't know if I could find it. I, I decided not to try to find it. But it's where, you know, Jesus says that at no time does the body exist at all. But then somewhere else he says to deny the body uh, is, a, a, he, I forget how he words it exactly. I wish I had it. To deny the body is just, uh, particularly... Um, An inappropriate uh, use. <laughs> they are. Thank you. Beautiful. That's it. That's it. And so, the, so in this dream, we're looking at a dream, and and um, to really acknowledge that, uh, you know, that, that there can be like a spiritual bypass if you say, you know, it never happened, and and, but if you if you understand, it is a dream though, and it, it's a co-creative illusion in this mind that Chris was talking about you know it's you know the world is in our mind and uh, um, and then to acknowledge you know the, 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 the squeaky toys and all that you know and we acknowledge okay that's that, that's part of the dream of the mirage you know we actually look at the mirage we don't negate completely and close our eyes and say there's no mirage so it, it is it is a, a delicate kind of balance where we're you know it's almost like being lucid in a dream at night and uh, anyway I'm done thanks but I understand what you were saying thank you Micah that was thank really you good. Micah nice reflection Micah thank you Micah. This is Jessica. Um, Wonderful shares today. Um, One of the things I was thinking about is, um, you know, the -the jack-in-the-box 
reference to you know the something jumping out of the box and scaring the child and you know I've spent a lot of time with children and I sort of feel like I communicate on their level a lot of the time and understand a lot of what their perceptions are and one of the wonderful things about kids is that I mean when you do that game or many many games they laugh a lot once they realize it's just a head popping out of a box and it's not going to hurt me after the first or second time or whatever they just think it's hilarious because they think oh um i have this uh it's a pretend scary situation it's you know they kind of have this understanding i feel like that that it is a dream, that it's an illusion. It's an illusion that there's something in the box popping out. It's it's just a, you know, song with a head coming out at the end. And it's just funny because it's funny that I thought it was something to be afraid of. And now I'm not scared because I know it's just, it's just a toy. And, and that's kind of how I'm, you know, reconciling the dream of the body which challenges me with a bunch of body issues. And I don't want to deny that in the dream there are these body issues and these sensations and these whatever other people think is going on with my body. So I want to acknowledge and and um, and not deny, you know, like feel it and know it and yet at the same time laugh at the idea that, that it's anything to be afraid of because I am, in fact, in heaven with God right now, even though this is a story that I'm playing out and I have things to learn about salvation <laughs> and about the truth. And so it's okay that I'm here right now going through this story, this drama, um, because I can laugh. I can remember to laugh. And, you know, I was sharing on the on the lesson call this morning about uh, the salvation. I forget what the connection was, but sort of what you said, uh, Micah reminded me of it when you said you had just woken up and you were still body identified. And you know, I feel like every day that we wake up, we go through this process that's the same as our awakening from the dream, of, from this illusion. First, we, you know, we're still asleep, but we are beginning to wake up and we hear sounds and and start to think about things. And the ego is <laughs> kind of trying to be the, be the main the main thought system. And then I remember to um, make no decisions by myself. And slowly, I go through this process of recognizing that, yeah, I'm waking up, but I'm still body identified. And as I begin to physically wake up, I begin to realize you know, the illusory quality of the waking existence um, 
in a very lucid, awake way. I don't know. I don't know if I'm making any sense. I feel like I made more sense the first time I was sharing this, but it's it's um you know it's a great uh, not metaphor, but it's a great example of how we wake up in in truth into the truth. I'm complete. Oh, that was just marvelous, Jessica. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Jessica. I love the part about looking at it as a jack-in-the-box like children do and laughing and realizing it's not real. That's really helpful. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Taking that one... Thanks, Jessica. Taking that one step further at our preschool, little kids get inside a box-like container and they sing, uh, you know, Sherry, Sherry, in the box, Sherry, Sherry, will you come out? You know, that they sing a little jack-in-the-box song and then the child pops out. And it's such a delight to see and sometimes they stay inside there for four or five seconds longer than they, you know, just to make it a little bit more surprising. <laughs> Thanks, Robin Marie. Yeah, thank you, Robin Marie. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for your shares. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I. This Jude. Good morning. I'm going to take this toy idea one step further and in my recognition that I have made an illusion of myself, that I myself is the toy. And in listening to Roz's um, share, you know, using that example is um, the rules, the rules or the laws of God that keep me perfectly protected in perfect safety and comfort um, are the laws that Christ came to share with us, the knowledge of us being spirit, um, untouchable, unharmable, unchangeable, perfect, always immortal, and forever, always, always has been, always is, and always already will, will be forever in truth. Um, that inalterability, unchangeability of who and what we are is uh, irreplaceable ideas, thoughts in the mind of God, that we are spirit and purely mind and nothing else, and that we think in our imagination, in our, in our separate minds, we made an illusion, an image of ourself as a body. And then in, in perception, that perception is deception. Percep- all perception is deception. It's, it's fragmenting and dividing and separating out according to differences. When one wholeness and holiness of God and spirit and mind is undividable and unseparable, and, and undifferentiated, it's all the same, and equally pure, light and love, peace and happiness and joy. 
in the mind of God. I am as God is. In his mind, I am one, one with my source. Now, to talk about distortions, distortions and interpretations are all made of illusions, are made of perceptions, of seeing through the body's eyes, the body's eyes sending my brain messages of which the spirit knows nothing of. The spirit knows not the ego, and the ego is incapable of knowing anything. The Course is very clear in stating this. The, the ego is selective and concrete in its perceptions and defines something as what its use for it is. When the being, the wholeness of God, defines its mean, the meaning of everything as one, one and the same and equal is love. The meaning is love. The one emotion is love. So, you know, that we're, we're not at the mercy of the laws of the world is, is one of the lessons, you know, that I am not a victim of the world. I am not a victim of my body. My body cannot tell me, myself, the self of God, how it feels because how it feels is love and peace, and it's constant, and it's stable, and it's consistent, and it's extension. And the unity of the Son of God, the one Son of God, is that will is unchangeable for everything, every living thing. So, you know, the appearances, looking through the eyes of the body can just deceive the mind that wants to be deceived. And that the conflict is in the split in my own mind until I realized it's salvation. Salvation, that overlooking, I love this one paragraph that that um, um, says salvation is a paradox. What could it be except a happy dream? It asks that you forgive, which means just to, to overlook perception as unreal. The, the body is unreal. God did not create it. The world is unreal because it's propaganda for the, for the sensorial perceptions of the body, that I am not what I think, I am not what I feel, that I do think, and that I can think only thoughts with God because only the thoughts I think with God are worthy of me because of who he created me to be, like him and his likeness and qualities free of the dreams of what I never was and seek no more to substitute the idle wish to be something that I'm not and the obstacles to to the awareness of who I am are the undoing of these false beliefs I am not a body I am not a body I can love cannot be contained the limitless love and peace and will of God to have and be everything is how God created me. He created his kingdom and he gave it to me in its totality. And the, the lesson speaks of this today that, Father, your will is total. And, and, and my totality is not lost. Only my awareness of it is. And when I put my focus of my attention on specific, concrete, and little ideas such as being in a body. The goal, 
My goal to know myself, to know thyself is the goal of the Course. To know thyself in truth stems from, stems from God's will. It's God's will that I know him as myself. I and my Father are one. And what aim but salvation of the whole world could you have given me? And what but this could be the will myself has shared with you? When I share my will with God, to know I have and am everything with him in its totality, wholeness, and oneness. That I complete God, that we complete God, and that God is incomplete with all without every single one of us. But it's my task and everyone's individual task to be free of the imprisonment of their own ideas of littleness and to, to escape that littleness into being the grandeur, the grandeur and the magnitude of how God created us to be, share his being with him as he shares it with us. Be still. And no. Amen. I'm complete. Oh, that was very complete. Thank you, Judy. Beautiful, Judy. Thank you. Powerful, girl. <laughs> this is Micah real quick, because I want to hear other people. The, um, um, thank you, Judy, for that. That was, it allowed me to uh, go back and, and visit an experience at a restaurant at a few days ago, and um, and to look at it, and it and it brought a, a nice lens to view it again, and it went a little deeper. Um, let's see, I think it was, uh, and the way you highlighted the true self was so spectacular. And then you mentioned something about seeing out of the body's eyes as an illusion, and it and that was kind of the that what when you said that that brought me right back to that experience because the body was in in this restaurant and yet the vision suddenly the, the the room shifted from the ego's lens of interpreting you know every body uh you know all the forms into this uh, like the holy spirit vision and and it, the whole room became relationship and it was all this love flowing through everything and um, and the vision was no longer just looking out of the body's eyes. It did include that, but the real vision was kind of in a spacious way. It just kind of permeated the room. And and um, let's see. Um, yeah, it, that was that was it. I was not I was not a body yet. What I was included the body. So it's very different feeling of being body identified and yet in this other field of mind it holds the body. Yeah, thank you. That was great. Thank you, Micah. Thank you, Micah. Yes, thank, thank you, Micah. It includes everything with no exceptions. <laughs>
I really, um, uh, you know, that God says, the Holy Spirit tells us there's no sacrifice. We need not give up anything or renounce anything. That um, just to see its unreality and how it's unnecessary. And it says it says it in the text today, you know, that we be free of the dreams, the dream of seeking outside of a separate self for my peace, for my happiness. That we came to the world in search of ourselves, but we could not find ourselves in the world because that's not where it was. It was within. And to look inward now and seek not outside ourselves for what makes us complete is that God gave us himself. And that is the truth of who we are, that what makes us complete is that God completes me. And that is in my mind and my heart, the wisdom of my heart, that there is no space in between anything. And the, and the, and the forgiving and overlooking of what's different and recognize, rec- the recog that it's all spirit is what, what loosens the perceptions um, hold on what we used to perceive as different. And seeing it all as one, one thing, not thing, but one essence, one, one consciousness, that everything is held as an idea in the mind of God. That, um, you know, the, the, that nothing, is, nothing is asked of us but to let go of the fear of losing anything, that loss that we cannot lose anything. The fear of loss is the loss of a false, illusory reality. It's, and it's only because of the way that we perceive it. It's not going to take any of this beautifulness away from us. <laughs> you couldn't. How could he deprive me of chocolate? <laughs> no way. And, you know, the, the idea that there is no sacrifice, there is no loss, you know, even the choice to be separate, to be angry, to be sad. All, all we need to recognize is these, these trials and tribulations and limitations need not be. They simply need not be. They're just a false misperception. And the purification of our perception is what leads us to the knowledge of our perfection. So... Ergo, here I go. I'll be quiet now. Thank you for giving me a place to, to share my hope in grow, growing and understanding and love. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you Judy. Oh, Judy. No sacrifice. A world whose loveliness can yet be so intense and so inclusive it is but a step from there to heaven. the greatest book I ever read. Thank you, Micah.
Oh, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. My gosh. I'm, I'm hearing a beautiful waking up here in the midst of all these these shares about shifting this morning. God, I'm just loving it. Um, I think the way I wanted to talk about it today was um, from the perspective of um, way back in the beginning of the book, Review Lesson 56. And I went there um, because of the title of this section, The Truth Behind Illusions. The Truth Behind Illusions. And you remember way back in, in that review lesson, 56, there's a phrase, I would let the door behind this world be opened. I would let the door behind this world be opened. And um, And so that's what that's what this whole section uh, speaks to me this morning of uh, that review lesson 56 is a review lesson of lessons 27 through 30. And I'll just touch on some of those things in the review lesson. It starts with what I see reflects what I think I am. What I see reflects what I think I am. Therefore, I see that vision is my greatest need because what I see in this world attests to the fearful nature of the self-image I have made. So I have a problem with how I see myself. What I see is a form of vengeance. Remember that? The review lesson for the 28th lesson says, the world I see holds my fearful self-image in place. That's the one that said, so I would let the door behind the world be opened. So I appreciated, Judy, how you said um, probably the most difficult aspect of the dream to deal with is the dream that I made up about myself. Then there's Review Lesson 29, a review of Lesson 29 says, God is in everything I see. Behind the veil, I have drawn across the face of love. God is in everything I see. We who are part of him will yet look past appearances and see the truth. And then finally, Lesson 30, God is in everything I see because God is in my mind. So, this is where we start discriminating the two thought systems. There's only two. The thought system, this world of thought, this world of thought in my mind, um, there are only two thought systems, and they're both in my mind. One is the thought system of the ego, and so, Karen, I really appreciated the way you talked about um, the way my ego sees things. And how clarity is achieved when my mind can make the transition to clarity into the thought system of truth. There's only two thought systems. I can either think with God, I can think with Holy Spirit, or I can think with the ego, which is probably my most difficult idol, the thing that I think I am. 
And so, in making um, in making these distinctions, we have the truth behind delusions. This section. And now I can begin to understand what he means when he says, uh, you always attack illusions because you do not remember that you made them up. Yes, indeed, it, it does seem like, and it surely happened, that you got that email from someone who was attacking your belief system. That, that happened um, in this world. But in making the exit from the thought system of the ego to the thought system of truth, I need but recognize that I've attached all the meaning to this that it has for me. And that's why that's why this section to me represents um, freedom, a declaration of my independence. When I can get myself free of the illusions that I made, all the illusions that I made, all the stories I tell myself about what everything means. I'm delivered to paragraph 52. Reality, he says, obeys the rules of God. And reality, because of God's rules, guarantees your safety. Well, there's lots of things that happen in the gap in my mind. Lots of things that happen in the gap that's in my mind. But when I see these things that happen as without any meaning at all, without any meaning at all, I recognize my freedom. So I have been attacked. That did happen. But does that have any meaning to the Son of God? Does that have any meaning to who I am? Does that have any meaning to who that person really is? That person, that frame of holiness is really myself. You see, the gap that is not there, the gap that is not there is filled with a false belief of what I think I am and what I think the world is and what I think everybody in the world is in terms of meaning. When I learn that I have given this all the meaning that it has for me, I can let the world, the door behind the world, be opened. Because the gap is filled with my meaning, stuff I put there, all the fears that I put there, all the things that I think represent my safety, all the things I think I must defend myself against, all the things I think I must attack a brother for. When I realize that the gap that is not there is in my mind and my mind only, and I'm responsible for the content of my mind, I'm going to be looking for that door behind the world. The gap that is not there in 51, he says, it's filled with countless forms, obeying my ego rules, and when they're broken, they frighten me. But I'm the one who made those rules, and I was wrong. That's why the Last Judgment is so beautiful in its clarity. God's judgment is the correction he bestowed upon my errors. These errors are in my mind. They're judgments. 
their judgments. And when I retract those judgments, what I'm doing is I'm forgiving. I'm saying, I made a mistake. I assigned a meaning to this that it need not have for me. I'm willing to withdraw that meaning. I'll look and wait and judge not. And when the Holy Spirit revealed to me what's the response I can make. Without that holy pause, um, where I let Holy Spirit reveal to me, without that holy pause, I'm in, I'm inculturated. I'm tr- I've trained myself to react, to be reactive to this, that, and the other thing that seems to happen in the gap that's in my mind. But I can be free of that. I need not be a react- reactive person. And when when that happens, when when I let forgiveness fill that space, and forgiveness too is a fantasy, okay? Because salvation is a paradox indeed. Overlook what no one's really done. Well, he did it, but I, I'm the one who gave the meaning to that event, and I can overlook the meaning that I put there. How to say what I mean? One time, I've said this before, but um, one time, I had a friend, a friend who I loved, and I still love this friend. I love this friend very much. This friend is myself. But this friend believed that she had a problem, and together she and I would look at this problem and say, oh, it means this, and we'll turn it this way, and it means that. And, oh, my friend, if you could just give up this problem, everything would be solved, and you'd understand what accepting atonement for yourself means. And the more we looked at the problem, the bigger the problem became for me and for my friend. And this is, this is what ego solutions do. You know, uh, I give it this meaning, and so I, the ego, will shift the meaning a little bit, and it will look a little different. And I, the ego, will shift it again, and it will still look a little different. But behind all that shifting is the is the one Son of God, who need not give this event any meaning whatsoever, because it really has none. And so the great, beautiful discovery, Roz, I'm thinking of you and, and how you can respond to this email. Um, for me, it was this accumulation of energy. I felt this energy accumulating around this situation. And for me, that's always the signal that a miracle is waiting for my acceptance. As soon as I forgive this situation by withdrawing the meaning that I've given to it, love is going to come forward. Love is going to step right into this situation and tell me what to do. Because love is always there. And it turned out for my friend and myself in that situation we had so um, struggled with by making it real. When I realized that, wait now, it feels, this accumulation of energy feels like I must persuade this person to something. I must draw this person across this gap so that she can realize we're both one. It finally dawned on me in my desire to pull that person across the gap that the gap was in my mind. It was only ever in my mind that love is going to tell me what to do. And the great 
beautiful discovery, the explosion of the miracle, the, the culmination of all that energy was the arrival of the knowledge that I hold this person in the space and loving embrace of my heart and I always have. This person is, is myself. I love this person because I'm loved. This problem we had made so real was only, and I'm not saying the problem didn't exist, but making it real and assigning meaning to it and saying, if you change your mind because you're wrong, this is going to resolve his, his ego approach to the problem. Holy Spirit's approach to the problem will always be one in which forgiveness lights my understanding. And as a consequence of forgiveness lighting my understanding, I will always be led to the perfect loving answer that helps me and this person realize that we share oneself, that we are oneself, that what we made of the problem was an erroneous meaning we both gave to the same idea. And when we withdraw that meaning from that idea, it's gone. And in its place is the loving awareness of unity. And this, these few little paragraphs here show so clearly how that shift is made always from the ego thought system to the thought system of truth and the thought system of truth will always lead me to unity you know healing is an act of mind it's an act of thought an act of thought by which two minds realize their oneness and are glad and so that's what he means when in that last section of the book who am i that's what he means when he says and so we call to all our brothers to join with us and consummate our joy i cannot realize my wholeness my true whole capital self until i recognize that I am held within you and you are held within me and together we are truly joined in a loving embrace because we are just one self there's only one son of God and we are it and our joy my joy I, I will tell you this truly I've never felt such a consummation of joy as I felt when I realized that it was the gap in my mind that created this chasm across which I felt I had to draw my friend and upon that realization it finally landed with a plumb that we contain each other so thoroughly so totally in an embrace of love it, it's down for me to realize that all pain all suffering every belief in grief and loss that I ever had was an error in my own mind and that all pain is a consequence of believing that love can be lost love can't be lost because we are it we are the ones we seek so anyway well that's my story and I'm sticking to it <laughs> 
decide that I am wrong and in me is one who is right and will tell me the truth of anything but for a simple ask anyway I'm not saying anything anybody else hasn't said this morning so aren't we wonderful in declaring our independence together thank you everyone I'm complete glory that unbelievable and helpful okay. and I have to say that was the part that really touched me was what we get how we give meaning to these events that we don't need to do that at all and that we're just all we're already connected and there's no gap the gap is only in my mind and yeah. you know your metaphor of the door behind the war the world it's so beautiful. Makes me want to paint it. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, my dears, we have to end the recording, but um, not the call. So, um, so anyway, uh, here's where I was led to close the call this morning. Lesson 156, I walk with God in perfect holiness. Today's idea but states the simple truth that makes the thought of sin impossible. It promises there is no cause for guilt and being causeless, it does not exist. I walk with God in perfect holiness. Where he is, there must be holiness as well as life. No attribute of his remains unshared by everything that lives. What lives is holy as himself, because what shares his life is part of holiness and could no more be sinful than the sun could choose to be of ice, the sea elect to be apart from water, or the grass to grow with roots suspended in the air. There is a light in you which cannot die, whose capital presence is so holy that the world is sanctified because of you. All things that live bring gifts to you and offer them in gratitude and gladness at your feet. The light in you is what the universe longs to behold. All living things are still before you for they recognize capital who walks with you. The light you carry is their own, and thus they see in you their holiness, saluting you as Savior and as God. This is the way salvation works. This is the way salvation works. As you step back, the capital light in you steps forward and encompasses the world. It heralds not the end of sin and punishment and death. In lightness and in laughter it is gone because it's quaint absurdity is seen. It is a foolish thought, a silly dream, not frightening, ridiculous perhaps, but who would waste an instant in approach to God himself for such a whim, senseless whim? Who walks with me? This question should be asked a thousand times a day till certainty is ended, doubting and establish peace. Today, let doubting cease. God speaks for you in answering your question with these words. I walk with God in perfect holiness. I like the world. I like my mind and all the minds which God created one with me. This is the light.
the universe longs to behold. Amen. Thank you all. Amen. Thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you, Lori. Yeah, thank you, Lori. Thank you, everyone. Just, Just a gorgeous call today.